Hello, and welcome to Executive Insider. My name is JT O'Donnell, and I'm the founder and CEO of Work It Daily, the number one online career growth club. I'm helping 1 million people grow their careers, and that includes executives just like you. I coach a community of executives inside Work It Daily, where we talk about what it means to be an executive, how we can build our executive networks, and how we can take our executive careers to the next level. So get ready. We're about to share content only an executive insider can bring to the table. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Executive Insider. My name is JT O'Donnell, the founder of Work It Daily. And today we are going to be talking with management consultant Duncan Pryor about the concept of norming your teams and why it is so important that we be thinking about that, not just in everyday team development, but particularly right now with all the massive amounts of change and disruption that are going on in the world. Hey, Duncan, how are you? Very well. Thanks, JT. Good to have you here. You wrote a really interesting article on this idea of norming and the four steps to getting to norming your team. And I want to get into that deep dive. And folks, for those of you that didn't see the article, we're going to put the link in there for you so you can go check it out. But talk to me a little bit about your background in writing this particular blog post. I used to work for a company called Cambridge Technology Partners in Amsterdam. And we used to run this thing and we called it a norming meeting. And what we were trying to do in that meeting, our aim was to try to rattle through the four stages of team development, which is forming, storming, norming, performing. We were trying to do that in one go. It's really stuck with me because, in my view, it was a key part of some of the very successful project deliveries we had. And also the extent to which the team derived so much satisfaction from the work. And, of course, the clients as well, we sort of extended our team to. So we would face many, many challenges on these projects. I mean, no doubt about it, but we were dealing with the problems we were there to solve and not to deal with difficulties with each other. And that was kind of panned out. So I just thought it was timely to sort of put my thoughts out there and share that with the team today. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if I'm hearing you correctly, because of course, Cambridge Technology Partners, very well known, very intense organization. So it sounds like it was about getting down to business, right? So making these teams norm, as you said, quickly so that the level of output and the level of work could be at its highest. It's interesting though, because you commented that people liked this idea of pushing through the four stages and getting to norming quickly. So talk to me about that. Like, Why was that such an attractive thing? And why was everyone willing to push so quickly to get through the four stages? Because you almost assume the stages should you know, take time. And the idea of rushing them might put you at risk of skipping a step or not getting as strong a team as you could. Yeah, I'll touch on this as we go through it. We were all aware of the concept going into these meetings. So there's something which I'll talk about a little bit uh, during the course of our conversation. We knew what this was about. So you would come into that meeting with a little bit of prior knowledge about what you were going to be talking about. But as I said, many times we were there on a Monday morning Many of us had not even met each other. So we really couldn't afford to spend weeks on end sort of getting to know each other. We really had to sort of cut through to the point where the next day on Tuesday, we were at some level performing as a team. Although, of course, it does take a little bit of time, but you really can sort of march through those stages if you sort of go through what we did on that day. Totally makes sense. So I think this is a good point for you to introduce them for people that aren't familiar with the four stages. Can you walk through and explain what happens in each one? Absolutely, yes. It's a management theory that it's a model that explains the stages of team development that we go through as humans. There's really no way out of it. We all go through it. And the basic four steps are the first is a forming stage. And this is where when you meet people, you tend to be possibly a little bit reserved. You hold a little bit back. We kind of tend to eye each other up and down a bit. And that's right. That's the forming stage. What happens then in a group if nothing, if no one does anything, the next stage is all going to be about the sort of emergence of a leader. And ideas and suggestions will be put out about the way forward. 
amongst all involved. That can lead to some sort of clashes of ideas, and there can be sort of many sort of personality clashes as well. And that, for that reason, is called a storming period. What happens after that is that teams tend to settle down into roles. It could be, for example, you end up just settling into the role that you always play within a group or on a project. And then once through that sort of norming phase, once those groups are settled, then the team is can be said to be performing. It's actually performing the function that it was assembled to do. And there are the four stages. So the challenge here is that that can take an awfully long time and it can take the entire duration of the piece of work. Yeah, that's exactly what was going through my head as you were talking about this. I bet everybody on this call today was thinking about a group that they were a part of, that they went through those, but they probably particularly chose a project where it didn't go so smoothly, right? They got stuck in different places. So how does this manifest itself in an environment and how intentional does a manager need to be in order to make sure that the group gets through this as efficiently as possible? I think the picture I painted in the previous question there is a little bit of an ugly picture. And I think most of the time people are professional or respectful and with each other and things sort of move along. But what can happen is that you think back to a time when you finished a piece of work, there might be some sort of celebration associated with it. And then whilst you might, you would love to think of it as a real five out of five exercise where the team performed really, really well, you still, it feels a bit more like a three out of five. You haven't quite derive the satisfaction from piece of what you really hope to at the outset. What's probably happened there is in that norming phase, as I said before, you maybe slip back into the role that you typically perform on a project. And, you know, and if it's really not going that well, there's a certain level of apathy sort of sets in. And that will have happened during that sort of norming stage. And then you've done the work. And often the work, it takes a bit longer than you hoped. You might have gone over budget. And then there's this feeling amongst the team that no one really feels that real sense of what they wanted from it. And then they just hope that that happens the next time around. So that's interesting. So if I hear you, let me play back what I'm hearing. If a manager isn't really cognizant of this and isn't strategically thinking about how they're going to proactively navigate their team through this and get to the norming phase, you can have very unsatisfying projects, like you said, with the ramifications potentially of it not even being the best product of work because they never got to that phase where they were working so cohesively together in that norming phase. Does that sound right? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. And the team members never quite got the opportunity. Maybe they were hoping to be able to sign up to do uh, something different from what they'd done before, Mm. uh, to take their career step or at least a part of a step. And that opportunity never quite presented itself because it was heads down straight away and we're just sort of cracking on and everyone was performing the role they always performed. So when you think about this and trying to get to the norming phase, are there, over the years, have you seen places in the process? Because obviously, you know, you've got to go through all the steps to get to norming. Are there typical bottlenecks? And if so, can you give us maybe an example of two that people should be looking out for? Unless everyone is willing to, for example, as you transition from, say, a sort of storming to norming, unless everyone really signs up by default or through apathy to just slot into their role, then you will still be going around sort of a lack of agreed way forward and ideas bouncing around and all those sorts of things are associated with being stuck in a storming. As you say, you can't get out of that unless you've worked through that. The way that is often resolved is rather than it really truly being resolved, team members will just give up and then just say, well, I'll just do what I always do. And then problem is solved that way rather than you really working through the different ideas and ways of working Whereas if you're able to work through it in a different way, you come up with a much better result. Because of course, disagreement isn't necessarily a negative thing, but it's about how you work through that. 
And obviously that's where your background and expertise comes in. So I'd love to circle back to that because you talked about this idea of showing up on a Monday and basically trying to get everybody on the team to norming phase by Tuesday. How did you do that? What were some of the techniques or tips that you can share with everyone to help them? Yes, we would have a meeting where everyone was there. And I suppose the key things about that, it was facilitated by someone else who wasn't on the team. So it wasn't just a case of the manager prescribing what was going to happen next. And the second point was that we would take pretty much the whole day to do this. And the day would be split into two parts. The, the first part is to do with all the activities associated with the project or piece of work that's involved. And that really is all of them. And of course, what we used to say is that you might be, say, as a business analyst responsible for some the business analysis activity on a piece of work. But that doesn't mean, say, you have to do all the work. The, the work associated with that activity can be divided up. And so as you go through all those steps, you give the whole team the opportunity to sign up. And maybe perhaps another good example is attending client meetings. It could be that the account manager typically attends client meetings and that's it. But perhaps there's an opportunity for someone else to attend some of those key meetings associated with a piece of work as well. So you, in the morning, you go through all those activities and divide them up, not assuming the job title that's associated with a particular individual automatically defaults to them doing the work. And then the second part is about how you're going to do the work. So that's to do with when the meetings are taking place. Is it now a video call? When are people available on instant messenger? How are we going to use email? What's going to happen with any artifacts, documents that we're being created? Where are we going to put them? them? All those aspects of the work, you go through all that in some detail as well to make sure everyone is signed up to the way of working. So uh, again, for example... If you all agree you're available between, say, 10 and 12 in the morning, everyone has to be available. There's no meetings, but you have to be available on Instant Messenger or whatever. Then you are available. And the only way to get out of that, as it were, is if you do have a commitment, is you have to explain that to the whole team. So you get a bit of fairness around the way that works. It's not just individuals organizing themselves and then hoping to find time that's available. You really are signing up. And you're just going through that rather than just using the tools that are available in a kind of haphazard fashion. The aim of doing all that is that then you are the team the next day is to some extent performing. You know, we've been through everything and rather than it being something that's then worked through during the project program, it's all, it's all done. All you're doing is then performing the activities that you've agreed upon. So here's a radical question for you. How are you supposed to know the best way to design a career that suits your unique needs? Few of us were ever exposed to useful advice to help us make good career decisions. In the past, only pro athletes and wealthy CEOs could afford career coaching. Work It Daily was designed to disrupt the career coaching industry. We provide 24-7 access to career coaches for less than the cost of a gym membership. Like most professionals, you've likely struggled at some point to find a job or grow your career in a way that makes you feel happy and satisfied. Work It Daily can help you make sense of what to do next in your career. Career planning can feel daunting and lonely but it doesn't have to be that way. Work It Daily will provide you with the structure and answers you need to take action and get the positive results you're looking for from your efforts because we know you have better things to do than stress about your job search or career growth strategy. You'll find us online at workitdaily.com or in your phone app store. That's Work It Daily, W-O-R-K-I-T-D-A-I-L-Y.com. Visit to learn more or sign up today and get started with our career coaches immediately. Yeah, it's so fascinating because when you first started explaining it and you said you took most of the first day to do this, I bet everyone's initial reaction is, we don't have time for that. 
we need to get going like right this second and, and work it out. But as you just described it, those things are going to have to happen at some point through the process. So what you're suggesting is let's front load it and get it done so that everyone can be more efficient with the remaining time that we have, which is, again, such an interesting concept, but probably not something that a lot of people have been thinking about doing, right? In my recent experience, you know, it can be extremely challenging getting into diaries and stuff like that. And I think you can think that that's just the way the world is. And it doesn't have to be like that. There's ways of working through this stuff. You know, everyone has to really sign up to that. Makes total sense. Is it possible for you to give us maybe a loose example of a past experience where you really saw the power of this in terms of helping with the end product? A great example is where we launched, uh, I was actually working in Holland, working for a UK bank to launch a mortgage business, online mortgage business. And what we chose to do, we sort of took it to the next level where we actually involved the clients in this norming exercise as well. And you wouldn't typically do that because they would not necessarily know that some of you, the team members have really come together to join the project at quite a short notice. You're putting yourself out there as a group. If you go about it in the right way, it can be very powerful because then the client representatives that we were working with, they got to see the power of this as well. And they were able to do that for them to meet their own commitments. It's quite often, especially when you're working as an external organization, some of the internal things within the client that have to happen can be some of the biggest challenges. We really worked through that together. It was really, really powerful and ended up working in our office. So that was almost sort of uh, forming, storming, norming, performing plus, as we like. Yeah. Oh, I love that example, actually. I mean, I can think of several cases for me with clients maybe not understanding what we need and they being the reason we're held up, but they don't know that, right? So that whole breakdown of communication between client and provider. That's so fascinating. So before we get to questions, and there's definitely a lot of them, the one last question I have for you is final pieces of advice or thoughts when someone's thinking about implementing this, maybe a lot of people listening to this today, this might be the first time they've ever heard of this concept. What are some pointers or suggestions you can give them so they can get started doing this? The starting point, and what I've learned since that period is I've tried to do this on different occasions and have some successes and some learnings, you could say. The group has to be aware of this concept before. You couldn't really just launch into a one-day workshop to discuss this without having some sort of prep work so that the team are aware of the concept in the first place. Otherwise, it just comes out of nowhere and it doesn't really hit the mark. So that's the starting point. Then in the second point, I think, is you can use the concept in any way you like. So it sits very naturally with external project consultants, but within a department, within an organization, especially now when the world's changed almost overnight, it could be an opportunity to think about the concept and then gauge where you are as a group. You know, are we really performing or are there sort of these issues that are sort of associated with the previous stages of team development? And then what would we do about it? And ideally, that would lead to the meeting that I've just described where you really go through it all. If not, maybe something a slightly more of an initial step just to maybe deal with some of the things, for example, just how and when you're doing the video calls. Even that could be very well appreciated. So I think the recommendation would be to take small steps along the journey with the bigger picture in mind of involving everyone in all the activities and really getting into the detail about their working patterns. I love it. All right. We've got some great questions here today. So I want to go through the list. Are you ready, Duncan? All right. So this first one is from Thomas. He's saying, you mentioned that people had an idea of the model and the concept. Was that or anything else done as pre-work? Great question. 
What I was saying there was that if, for example, you think, oh yeah, okay, the next Monday, yeah, I'm pulling my team together or I'm going to recommend to my manager that we have an all-day meeting to go through this, there's a risk there that it might not be as successful as it could be because the team is not aware of the concept. You almost need to have you know, one of those kind of show and tell time meetings, something like that, where you put the concept out there and talk it through as a group. So that's the point I was trying to make there. I wouldn't say it's outside. Even if you're, say, halfway through a project already, we would often do this. You just call it renorming. We did face challenges at a certain point, or there could be changes in team members. The whole project could change direction completely, whatever it is. You can then say, oh, okay, we're going to renorm. This isn't working, or we've got a, such a new situation where we're pretty much starting again. Let's redo it. You could think of that now. If you're working on a project now, you could what we call renorm and say, okay, well, let's take a little time out if it feels like that's something that could be useful and then go through something like this exercise then. Yeah, totally makes sense. So we've got a question from Rob. Rob's saying, how difficult is it to get right to work without having someone fully explore the forming stage? So when you talk about doing that forming in that first day, besides, you know, setting the time for a scheduled meetings and figuring out, you know, who would attend what and maybe other people should be involved. Are there any other techniques you've used to help people get comfortable with one another faster? Yeah, we would typically do, uh, it was almost sort of compulsory was to do some kind of icebreaker. So we would always do that. And that helps. I think just the exercise itself gets you through that forming stage very, very quickly. One day is usually enough, but then by the end of that day, people who've never met before can get to be quite comfortable with each other quite quickly. Those barriers can come down quite quickly, but they tend not to come down quickly if you just try and start when you've barely met each other. It does make the case for wanting to put similar people back on the same teams, right? So that that speeds up naturally too, because they know each other. Yes. So follow-up question from Thomas. He says, do you adopt this for all your projects or do you feel like this works better for some projects than others? I always try to. The reason why I've put this out there is it's always at the very much at the forefront of my mind. And what I've learned though is to kind of adapt it. I mean, sometimes it's simply bringing the concept up in a meeting has at least achieved something. Sort of, it really depends. I mean, where I was working before was a highly matrixed organization where your project team or program team, everyone reports to a whole bunch of different managers, in fact, all over the world as well. So the situation I'm describing is that idealistic one where the whole team is together. They're not doing anything else other than working on that project. And that's not necessarily quite so much the real world these days. It's about adapting it. If you think it's something that can be of use within the organization, at the start, how can you raise awareness Perhaps it could be with your manager. It could be an actual project within the organization itself to actually roll out the concept in the first place. That's my starting point. If you can get awareness on any level, that's still a significant win. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. You know, Todd's asking a question that was coming through my mind too, is getting people on board with this, this idea, they understand the model. So you've got awareness, all right, check. But the people that feel like there's just not enough time and, you know, we got to get right into it. Those people can be pretty persuasive. They're oftentimes very vocal. (laughs) That is a challenge. So ever since when I was working at Cambridge, it was just no one would even think of doing anything else. Since then, it's not a concept that I've seen on my travels that much. And it is a challenge. I mean, it's I haven't really got anything to advise on that specific subject other than to say, well, just the smallest win is going to have an impact. I almost wonder, do you think the pushback is a little bit of fear? It's almost like they don't want to go down that path for fear of something. Have you ever seen somebody like that who had a lot of pushback come around? And what do you think maybe finally got them to look at this differently? What's on my mind at the moment is, for example, the people who do that, they tend to do things like they'll say, well, I work at home on Tuesdays. 
and of course, there could be a very, very genuine reason why they have to do that. The approach I'm describing is one where everyone has some sort of commitment. And even if they have no commitment, they still have an opportunity to leave early on Friday or whatever it is they want to do. It doesn't have to be, say, childcare related or what have you. Well, everyone's working from home every day. So maybe some of this kind of, I work from home on Tuesday, we have, it's an opportunity to break through some of those barriers. Say, well, now we're all working at home every day. How are we going to do this? Are, are we going to be sort of chasing each other around? Mm. Or should we really try and do this properly? Mm. and really devote some time to it. So that could be a little bit of a trick to try and maybe try and win some people over. Yeah, most definitely. So when you talk about this day one, where you go through this, it's like setting ground rules, right? Hey, this is what we're all agreeing to in order to perform better. So if you see somebody who's not performing, how do you handle that? Do you call them out publicly one-on-one? You know, what do you do to bring them back in? The rule we would always have then, and it's actually the rule that we very much had in my most recent role, was that all those conversations are one-to-one. You would typically work with a client rock partner as well who's responsible for the overall account. But these conversations were always one-to-one. But of course, you always had the opportunity to go back to what you'd agreed in the original meeting because everyone signed up to even quite detailed activities such as where documents are stored, who's taking meeting notes, all those little details. That's all being agreed. And there's a slide with everyone's name on it saying, well, this is the list. It's not such a difficult conversation to have privately. And often the team member will then be quite open and they'll acknowledge that something was going wrong and they'll call out for help. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it for that reason. Because I think a team could go a really long time with people not following or falling behind or whatnot. If you didn't have this structure in place, I see a real advantage to it that way as well. You identify much faster bottlenecks or people getting stuck, that sort of thing. So Dana has a question. She says, can you use this model as a leader joining a new organization, trying to improve the team performance after assessing the maturity of the org, where the goal is to improve the growth of the output of the team? Oh, great question. I think that's a perfect situation. You have a level of authority and it can be a great way of making an extremely positive impact to say, right, we're going to take the whole day here. We're not just going to have a one hour meeting to sort of try and agree everything. I think that's a perfect opportunity to go 100% with the approach. I could almost see going into an organization that hasn't had this and is having its issues or struggling. So us as executives, a lot of times we're inheriting organizations and they're saying, we need you to improve the teamwork, right? So this framework strikes me as a fabulous way to give them some new structure around that. I would think it's great. I always love to give our guests the last word. So any final thoughts for everyone with respect to the best way to make the most of this concept? Given what's happened, this can be a great opportunity to really think about the approach and to sort of gauge where you are. The two parts of it is one is about improving the team's performance. And also what's very important is what every member of the team is getting out of it. Are they going to have more fun and take a career step forward? Maybe start with that and then map that onto the activities you actually need to get done. I love it. That's so true. You're ending on such a positive note because it really is about developing our folks. And I think this is a technique that can help them, not just uh, everyone do a better job, but as you started with just that feeling of satisfaction when the project's done, which then trickles back to us as the leader, right? Yes. All right. Well, Duncan, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for participating. This is another executive insider in the books. Remember, if you want to win, you got to work it daily. So stick with it, folks, and come back and see us next time. Okay. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks, Lucy. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Executive Insider. If you want to learn more about Work It Daily and how we can help you with your career or job search, visit workitdaily.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and left us a five-star review. Don't forget to check out workitdaily.com slash podcast to get access to the resources and links mentioned in today's episode. Those can be found in the show notes. Again, thanks for listening. And I can't wait to share more with you on the next episode of Executive Insider.